Welcome to the All Things Home podcast. This will be a place where we learn about some of the things happening in our industry, speak to some experts about where they see real estate going, and some other interesting facts about real estate. Welcome to All Things Home. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the All Things Home podcast, where this is going to be the first podcast of its kind, where we talk about the real estate industry, what's happening with agents, and some other things you might find interesting about real estate. And today, we're talking to Jason Schmidt, the Director of Business Development and Relocation at Home Services of Nebraska and Home Real Estate, a Berkshire Hathaway affiliate. Thank you, Jason, for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, I want to hear, how did you get into real estate? What was your journey? How did you get to be Director of Business Development and Relocation at Woods Bros? I think it was and really by real accident. Um, yeah, like I, it's kind of, my my journey has been one where I've kind of just followed the opportunities laid in front of me. So, you know, when I first was, when I was in college, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I wanted to go into like education. I wanted to go into film study. I wanted to go into writing. I wanted to do all these things. Um, and I ended up realizing that I was spending a lot of time working with youth and families. And so I did a lot of app before and after school programs. And I got to where I became the director of before and after school programs and summer camps and all kinds of stuff. Um, community learning centers here in Lincoln, um, that are the 21st century funded stuff. I, from there, um, I went out to Portland, Oregon. I had a chance to be in charge of the East Portland's, um, basically their whole YMCA on the East side, which is a long, long, huge chunk of land. I had like 25 or 26 before and after school programs. It was awesome, but it was a lot. And I missed my family. So I came back and I started a program in Lincoln called Academy of Rock. Um, and that's where we taught kids how to be in rock bands, basically. We did we did live concerts. We did um, recordings. We did T-shirts, zines. Um, we, we, the whole experience, even had kids go to the International Blues Festival in Memphis, got to perform there. So that was cool. But then I had to grow up. Had to be an adult with kids. Can I ask and, a question um, first? Did were you excited yeah, yeah, that Jack yeah. Black played you in the movie School of Rock? It was probably one of the greatest honors. Um, <laughs> his mannerisms are a little bit more funny than mine, probably. But he kind he you know he hit the body type and all that. I mean, I'm a little <laughs> taller, but it's kind of funny. People would always ask me that, Tom, and they would be like, "So." School of Rock, School of Rock. And I'm like, it's exactly like School of Rock. But I'd never seen the movie. Never had it. Oh, okay. And, well, I have since. In the in the 2020s, like two years ago, I saw it. I didn't see it up until that point. And I almost made it like a badge of honor not to see it at, at some point. Because I wanted, I didn't, I, I wasn't copying it off of the movie. I wasn't copying it. It, it was a natural evolution of like, we wanted to bring experts into the school settings that were actually artists and um, true professionals in their field to be the teachers, not college kids, not educators. We wanted true passion after school. And so we had all kinds. We had comic books. We had video games. We had um, culinary arts. We had all kinds. Of, and music was one of them. And, of course, rock and roll was the biggest was the thing, and we got, we went from like 30 kids showing up to after school to 150 kids showing up after school for middle school kids. 
that's why I had the opportunity to go off to um, Oregon and then and then start my own program when I came back. So that's great. But none and of that it was, was based on the original. None of it, right. Yeah, but I mean, now it's like you don't need to see the movie because you lived it. It was the after-school program that you created. I had a little <laughs> Ford Escort that somehow I figured out how to get all the amps and the drum sets and the the guitars and everything into. And I mean, just barely, just barely. But I was able to do that. And every almost several times a week, I was down there unloading my car, setting up the stuff. I had some really great people to help me and the kids were awesome. So that helped still friends with a lot of them to, to this day. But um, that was probably my big moment of where I was doing something that was really following my heart and really following my, my dreams um, going in, my next job was into healthcare. I wouldn't call that a passion of mine, but my job was to do outreach and education. So I traveled the state of Nebraska, went to hundreds and hundreds of, um, events, you know, like I was out at everything and I was, you know, we had tables and my job was to talk to people and get to know them and, you know, hearing what their pain points were and the things that their life story. Do you ever listen, Tom, have you ever listened to the Grateful Dead? Yeah, of course. They're one of the greats. Okay. So, you know, they have that song and they say, um, you know, I, um, he asked me for a dime for a cup of coffee and he said, I ain't got no dime, but I got some time to hear your story. Um, I think I forget. I don't, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the song right now. I can't remember, but he talks about just take some time to hear people's story and it's and it's there's more value there than just, you know, this exchange between giving this person some money. Um, he was able to sit down and learn the story and hear this 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 tragic love song, this love story, this tale. And so that's what I did. I went out and I talked to people that were hurting and suffering out on the streets for years and years and years and years. And um, our company ended up losing the state contract. I went over to a new healthcare company where I was supposed to start an after, uh, not, not after school, these clinics at these pro at these, um, um, these clinics at these healthcare facilities. And about an, a year into it, they decided that they were going to change directions on the program and they needed someone that had an actual, was an actual doctor to have my position. And I'm like, I am I'm not a doctor. <laughs> Not a I might pretend I'm one, but I'm not a doctor. I don't have any business being a doctor. So I was out of a job. And within a couple of days, I had a con um, home services of Nebraska contacted me. And I was like, real estate. I never even thought about real estate, but I realized it was the same thing. It's like you take all the things that make people awesome at what they do. You just move them to a new place. And all you got to do is catch up on the language. So I had to learn all the real estate ling lingo and all that stuff. And found that um, it still turned all the same, pressed all the bright buttons, turned all the right knobs, and um, I've been here for five years, so. I love that. That's great. You know what's funny is that you and I took such a similar route to get here because I, I, I minored in theater in college. I, that's a part of the reason why I do this is I'm able to talk and, and do the, the, those sorts of things. And then I went into the healthcare industry where I was a lab tech at a hospital for, I think, five years or something like that. And then got into technology and, and found real estate. And it was, that's funny that you and I took such a similar route to get here to this podcast that we're doing right now. <laughs> I know these are like the, 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 um, guilty pleasures that, is there any way I can get a podcast into my job? 
Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> With real estate, absolutely. It's just that it lends itself so yeah. well to so many different topics. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Tons of topics. Yeah. Speaking of which, that's what we're here to talk about today is uh, part of the reason that we wanted to talk to you is is having that business development and relocation uh, background in what you do is the industry has been really strange for the last few years. And what we're noticing is that it's returning now to what is a normal market and we're going to have those peaks and valleys during the year. So we wanted to talk to you about some things that agents can do during those different times. So what does a successful agent do when the market isn't always as hot as it has been. Yeah. And, you know, I want to say, you know, I am not a successful agent by any means. I am a relocation director, a business development director. I did get my license. So I went through the process, but I have never bought or sold, um, helped someone purchase or sell real estate. But what I do is I work with agents on how to, um, build more business for themselves. And that's something that you don't have to necessarily like the best agents out there have like the secret sauce, right? So no matter what you try to figure out, it's a, it's something about them internally that, um, that they have as an advantage, just a natural ability to be, to be successful. Right. Um, but there are tricks. There are things people do that position themselves better to become successful. And, you know, I, I, I really think I really equate it to like, I used to play sports. I used to be in baseball and football and, um, you know, no one wants to run, do the stretching at the beginning. No one wants to do the, the, the sprints or the having to do the, what do they call those, um, I wish I could remember the name of it, where, where they have to run 10 yards back, 10 yards, then 20 back, 30 back, 40 back. Did you you know what I'm talking about? I do. I know what we called it. I don't think those are the actual names. In basketball, we called those suicides, but that's not probably yes. not. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I think they were called. Yeah. And the reason why is because they suck. OK, like, right. yeah, they are absolutely. not fun. They are not fun. But you have to do those things, right? You have to do those little things that aren't always fun, the fundamentals to position yourself to be successful when it's game time, right? So the same thing I think happens to the most successful agents in their field is that they don't just do, they just don't show up and wing it, though some of them might tell you they do. A lot of them also do all the little things right. Um, I think... I think one thing that that I think is probably the biggest thing I've noticed is real estate and agents especially is very much about survival. Like you're right in the moment where day to day things are flying at you. Um, it's like whack-a-mole. You're trying everything you can to just take care of anything that comes across your plate any need, any response, anything. It's like flying at you, flying at you. But what you're not doing is preparing for the future when you do that. You're just taking care of right now and figuring things out. I really feel like some one thing the best agents seem to do is they always have a vision for the future. And they're always doing these little things like everything from like working their database, like carving out, like you only have 24 hours in a day, right? 
And so when you have 24 hours in a day, you got to figure out how you're going to take care of yourself, your family, your, your mental health, your job, your kids, your hobbies, your food, like all these things have to fit in there. And so when someone looks at their day and they say, okay, if I'm going to be, have be balanced and I'm going to be healthy, I have to be able to do these things to be health, be healthy. If I put too much energy into one thing, I have to take that out of someplace else. You just don't magically get more hours in a day, right? And so these agents have made it a discipline of themselves to add those times into the day that take care of the future. And so things like going back and working your database, I think that the biggest thing is recognizing the value that's out there. Like, um, so um, I think I used, I think I talked to you about this, Tom, and Slow me down if you want me to, if you need me to, but I look at it like, um, like some of those pizza places. Like when you order pizza from a restaurant, um, restaurant, <laughs> they, and you do it online, they will do the order. Everything goes just fine. But the next thing you know, you're going to see emails almost every day in your inbox and pizza whoever you are, is sending me those emails, bam, 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 bam. And I got to tell you, even as much as I want pizza every day, I'm not going to be actually like clicking those and going in there. I usually delete them and be done with it until the day that you want pizza. And it's the only thing on your mind. And you're willing to go into trash cans and dig through like a raccoon trying to find like some coupon that you can use to get that two for one deal, right? Um, and then that's the day when it's there, you know, it's going to be there because they, you have learned to trust the pizza place to send you coupons almost every single day. Now, an agent can do the same thing. People don't want to buy a house every day, but if you're not there when they want to buy a house, they'll find someone who can help them. So you have to find little value ads to offer people, to write people about, to tell them about whether it's what's your home worth. You know, like if you have a, an app that said that helps calculate home value, you can send them that say, hey, check this out. Move Easy is a great example. And I'm not just doing this to, you know, suck up during a Move Easy podcast. <laughs> okay. But Move Easy offers like an incredible value that's always in, in, in Move Easy is always offering these new features that you can reach out to educate your clients about. You have to look for reasons to have value and then you have to let people know and you have to keep doing it again and again so that you're laying a groundwork for the future, not just what's right in front of your face. I love that. And, you know, there was something you and I talked about a little bit, which was how agents can supplement not just the transaction portion of real estate and buying and selling and, and that portion of that's obviously going to be the main part of your income. But there's so many more different ancillary things that agents can do. And you were talking about promoting outgoing referrals. Now, we know that across the country, from year to year, the amount of real estate that's sold, it doesn't really change that much. It's, I think it's something like 5 million listings per sold across the country total every year. It's something around there. So how does somebody use something like promoting their outgoing referrals to help their business? Well, I think, you know, outgoing referrals is um, a, a big part of my job um, because what you're able to do is I think sometimes people, again, when you're caught up in the day-to-day -day survival, you think of 
being able to help the people in your area right there next to you. Um, but an outgoing referral means that you're going to um, talk to your client and get their permission to refer them to an agent in another market, right? One that you can't work or a specialty you don't have. Um, and so it's really easy in that kind of sink or swim survival mode when someone is sitting across the consultation table from you and, and they say, oh, by the way, I, I'm going to be moving here. And you can easily say, oh, I can help you. Do you need an agent over there? I can totally recommend you. That's what I call opportunistic, right? Those are opportunistic. Um, it comes up, it's right there. But then there's something that I would say is that more forward thinking, that providing value. And that's like using using social media and using your email and using um, your different means of communication to let people know that no matter where they're moving, you can help them connect them to an agent. So if Tom's going to move out from California and he wants to move to New Jersey next week and he needs an agent, I can help get his home sold in California and New Jersey and I can live in Nebraska, right? And so Tom, Tom is not going to know that unless I tell Tom I can do that. So by being really forward thinking and thinking, you know what, if I devote one day a week, like, again, I'm going to come back to you. You started doing these videos, these short videos that go out to people. Um, some people, other agents, they have those. They put out things all the time. If you decide, okay, I'm going to do every Wednesday morning, I'm going to put out a post about my ability to connect my clients anywhere in the world. I can connect them anywhere in the world but you just have to come to me and I'll help you. And you understand that as a value, you can add people and you tell them and you continue to tell them every week, you keep telling them people are going to come to you. It's the whole field of dreams. If you don't, if you build it, they'll come, right? <laughs> I love if that. You, yeah. But it's a brand so recognition in that, especially if you're posting that over and over again, people see that they recognize that they're going to understand that you're the person to go to for those things. That's the portion of that that's marketing. That's less about the real estate transaction itself and more about just the, the how to get people's attention. And that's such a great way to make sure that people know that. It's having those videos, having that constant uh, being surfaced in people's uh, social media feeds or in their phone because now we have the opportunity in marketing to be in people's pocket at any point in time. You know, People go on social media all the time and have being able to make that kind of content is so simple. I I mean, you can make TikToks on your phone in 30 minutes or something like that. It's even quicker if you're just going to record yourself and talk to somebody about it and then post it. So, you know, these different types of media are so huge, especially if that's where your audience is and understanding where they are and in the social media, you know, sphere. Like, are they on this particular app? Are you looking for a younger generation? Are you looking for, or do we want to post on Facebook? Because we know that that's where most people, almost everybody on the planet has a Facebook account. So knowing where your audience is and being able to make that content, especially quickly, is going to be huge in that brand recognition portion. Now, the, the oh, next absolutely. question I have is, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying absolutely. But but really, like, I wanted to add one thing to this is that um, I know that the age of, of most real estate agents is a little bit older. Um, and a lot of people from older that are from older generations are a little bit uncomfortable with social media or how to use it. Um, and I think agents in general can sometimes even be a little bit um, like hesitant or 
not think they have the content to be able to provide on a weekly basis. Um, you know, one of the things that we did is we created content for agents so that you could promote outgoing referrals. Um, you know, go to your brokerage, say, hey, can we have a series of things that just are about our networks, about our outgoing ability to do outgoing referrals? Um, you know, for me, we're a home services of America company. We're a leading RE company. So I'm connected to 555 of the top brokerages all across the world. Why am I not promoting those, right? So by creating little marketing pieces that say, hey, you want to go to Atlanta, Georgia? Check out Harry Norman. We have this awesome company. Or Kansas City, Reese Nichols. Um, you want to go to Minnesota, Edina. You know, like there's all these companies out there that we say we have the greatest contacts there are out there. So if I can create marketing pieces that say that, that speak that language for them, all they have to do is plug and play and put that into their their social media feed and that's all they have to do. Because I really think content generation is a huge, scary topic for people. They, they're not really quite sure how to do it. It's easy to put listings up there. It's easy to put, it's the same concept for outgoing referrals. You know, being a content creator, one of the things I always like to tell people, especially if they are afraid, because there are, you know, the first, the hardest step is the first step is just starting. Yeah. It's just understanding the process of how it works. Because once you've made a video, you understand that it can be really simple, especially if you're going to make something on social media that you're going to record on your cell phone and then upload. Yet, if you don't understand the process, it may seem a little scary, but the first step is always the scariest one. So once you do that, once you make something, just try it. Even if you're not going to post it, make something silly with your spouse, with your kids, with your, you know, if you're at a house, record yourself talking in the foyer or something. That's one of those things that's so helpful in getting that content there. But speaking of which is one of the brokerage pieces as a consumer, I'd love the market snapshots and most everybody has digital CMAs now and having that content. So being able to like, let's say pass this around. If you're in a particular area, have one of the marketing guys make up a presentation just about what listings are available in your particular area. That way you can flip through it. It's almost like a magazine of the different listings and see what the prices are and, and, and all of these different things that you're going to see from that presentation that updates by itself so that is one of those things that i just love that that's one of the things that it's always stuck it's with cool. me since i started isn't that cool well and again it's it's you got to recognize that that's value to people like like i'm a, I, I i even think of it like like think of it as a rock concert right like you're up front you're in the front row and the guitarist um breaks a, a pick or the drumstick breaks, right? It is just one more pick, one more drumstick in that person's life. But to the person in the front row, it's like an artifact, right? Yeah. It's like a special thing that they're gonna put in a scrapbook for the rest of life. I'm not saying that a market snapshot is like a relic, like, like um, you know, Jimi Hendrix's guitar pick. You're not gonna but, frame it in your, in your office or anything here. <laughs> No. Well, I would if I had you. I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to frame a market snapshot. Right. Um, but the point is, is that when you can provide people an added value, an added thing that goes, oh, oh, interesting. Oh, inviting them to if you have a food truck that comes to your office, invite your invite your clients to come out and check it out. Like anytime you have something else to provide someone that's a tool other than just taking their money, which is shouldn't be your number one focus anyway. If you're focused on them and providing cool things for them, 
Um, I always think about with my friends, if you find a cool podcast or a cool song or an awesome movie or a new series, you're trying to tell them all about it. Whether they watch it or not, that's on them. But I'm going to give them these value ads. I'm going to give them these things that I think can make people's lives better that I thought was really cool. And it's up to them to do what they want with it. But the fact that you are and you continue to do it, that's the value add that they can share with their their, their customers. They can gain more customers. And people start to see them as more than just a name in an email box all of a sudden. Absolutely. I have a quick funny story about a rock concert that I went to when I was in college. I went and yeah. saw them. I was front row in the at to go see the black keys. And oh my I, gosh, it was amazing. It was, they were incredible, but I remember, I, I, I remember I started to, to like zone out and just start to feel the music. And I remember the guitarist came up and he flicked his pick at my forehead and he was like, pay attention. You're front row. You don't get to zone out in the front row of a rock concert. So yeah, I actually have a pick from the black keys from maybe 15 years ago. Nice. Yeah. That would be such a heavy show. That well, yes, yeah, and it was great. No, they were they were awesome live. It was great. It was actually a doubleheader, them and the Goo Goo Dolls, which was wonderful. So, oh man, yeah, good times. Um, so I, I do have one more question for you. As somebody that helps agents uh, direct their business, what are some of the pitfalls that you ask agents to stay away from? Where you're thinking, okay, this is something that seems like it'll be easy, but you know, maybe we stay away from this. Or what are some of the things that agent traps that agents can fall into? You know, um, a big, a, another huge chunk of my business is incoming referrals, right? Um, so, like, we're talking internet leads, leads from lenders, broker-to-broker -broker referrals from other companies, um, relocation jobs, anything like that. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about something that's that's it's a topic kind of near and dear to my heart. It's this concept of, of prejudiceness. You know, whether we even realize it or not. Um, and I don't I'm not trying to make this extra heavy of a conversation, but I'm going to say it's really easy to look at when you get a lead. A lot of the time, especially Internet leads, you're getting the person's name, their contact information, a price range, um, where, where they're looking. Right. And one of the pitfalls I see more than anything else is people will judge the lead before they've ever talked to someone. So you got to remember that what you have on the other end is a person, a real human being with hopes and dreams that have shown up that are asking for someone to help them. That is essentially what's happening in this situation. And they don't know you. You're a stranger to them and they're, and they're a stranger to you. Um, but when somebody reaches out and you see a price point that's not that exciting, um, you know, like maybe someone says, I want a $50,000 property in some small town 20 miles outside of Lincoln, for instance, right? Like some people might be like, eh, I don't want to deal with it. It's too far. It's too cheap. And the person has a funny sounding name that I can't pronounce. And they're, and they're not qualified. Um, I'm going to pass. I'm not going to do this one. And... What you didn't do at any point is ever ask that person what they wanted or what they were interested in or who they were. Um, you'll, you'd be surprised how many people you might think maybe don't speak English and you don't speak any other languages. So you disregard it and the person speaks perfect English. Um, you might think that that $50,000 property, they might be wanting to buy six properties. You don't know. Or they're not pre-approved. I don't want to go through pre-approval. Well, 
guess what? Helping them through pre-approval is part of your job. It's part of like what makes you connect with them even more. Sometimes going through more hoops with people can be frustrating, but you're actually forming more of a bond with someone through that, that experience. And you know what? I have seen so many times that someone came in with, you know, $150,000 interest and then they were approved for 300 or 350, you know, like they didn't know they hadn't gone through the, the thing yet. They were just looking at homes online online. But what the agent did was start doing the math and starting to calculate whether it was worth their time and energy before they'd even talk to the person. So I always recommend always talk to the person first, reach out to them. They might not even write you back. They might, it might, they might not ever respond to you once, but you, if you don't take the time to try and, and reach out and talk to the person and hear what their hopes and dreams are, you can't help them. And they may not, in most most clients, most general consumers have general ideas what they're looking to do, especially if they're first time buy, first time home buyers. One of the great parts about doing this is is hearing uh, how people see themselves and how we see our jobs. And, you know, one of the things that you can see yourself as as a real estate agent is somebody who buys and sells real estate for people. But what we're really doing is building communities. We're building communities yeah. all across the country, and we're able to do that through exactly what you said is that helping those people that are getting into new homes that have an idea that have a dream home that they want to get into a life that they want to step into and as an agent we get to help build that community of people from around where we are so uh jason thank you so much for being here this was wonderful yeah. and i appreciate all of your insight in in uh you know what's going on in our industry and how agents can help our ourselves by doing a lot of these great things that you were talking about now, Tom, if there's ever the Tom podcast where you're the guest, please let me be your guest host. I'm calling it now. Of course. I want to be the one to be able to ask you questions and let everybody know the, the story behind you, too, because um, I know that I've really appreciated um, all the contributions you've made. It's kind of it's kind of weird. Like a lot of us become, especially people at, at companies like MoveEasy, you become these characters in our life, right? Like, I don't mean like, like, like we don't work beside you every day. We don't see you every day, but you're these personalities that come in and make an, a difference and an impact on people. And um, when people bring that kind of energy and care about what they're doing and bring the, bring it all to the table, like if you're going to rock out, you rock out. It doesn't matter if there's one person in the, in the room or a hundred people in the room. That one person came to see you at your very best, right? And I always feel like every time I talk to you, you're that person. So um, I say the same thing to the agents. If you're going to rock out, rock out. If you're going to dig a ditch, dig the best ditch you've ever dug. You know, like go out there, be the best you can, and people will notice and they'll come back to you. Let me say that, Tom, really quick. Let me just say one last thing. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. I feel like I'm now on a soapbox. I just got up on it. Like I got up a little higher because there's a soapbox underneath my shoes. You can't see it there. But um, if I was going to recommend, if I'm coming, look, I don't, I don't know where exactly. You don't have to give me your address, but like LA, right? Is that where where do you live? LA? You're close. San Francisco. San Francisco. So let's say I'm coming to San Francisco and I ask you, Hey, we're, I'm bringing, my family, we're coming up. We want to have an awesome breakfast. Where should we go? 
What would I, you? I would be a good person to ask. Actually, my first job out of college was delivering chicken to restaurants in San Francisco, so I know all of them. So yes, there's a lot of good places to eat out in San Francisco. A great one would be Hard Knocks. It's a it's like a soul food kitchen in uh, in the Richmond district near the Golden Gate Bridge. But why? Why did you say that? Why? Because the food's incredible. When I go to San Francisco, that's where I go to eat. I actually went on Saturday, and I went and had uh, lunch there. So let me ask you this. If I came back and I said, generic, okay, village in. I, I know I probably can't say this on the podcast. Generic, let's say I came back to you and I said, in Lincoln, Nebraska, how about this place? And it's like generic chain restaurant that you can find in any interstate town, right? Yeah, Mel's Diner. Would you be disappointed? Maybe just because if I were going to a new place, especially on vacation, I'd want to experience something new. Something new, something local. Yeah. And, you know, the food is just fine. It's fine. You can go there. You can eat their food and you'd be like, okay, I mean, how much better can you get with eggs? How much better can you do? You can. First of all, you can. Yes. (laughs) But, like, it's adequate. And that's a word you do not want to be is adequate. You don't want to be adequate. So what, what I'm trying to say to agents is that you cannot sacrifice your quality. If you're looking for how to become that next level agent, it's by being something special and knowing you're giving those people your all. And for new agents, it takes time to figure that out. But when you feel that stress ball pop up into your head, that's a sign. Okay, maybe I've stepped over a line here. Maybe I'm doing too much. And so you got to pull back to make sure that the service you're delivering is extraordinary and you're taking care of everything and you're thinking about what they're going to need. You know, when I was in um, youth programs, I would say a new, a brand new agent, they will, some, a kid will come running up at recess and say, I'm hurt. I hurt myself. I'm crying. You know, they're crying. They're hurt. And they'll do what they can. They'll patch them up, try to make them feel better and everything. When you're a experienced agent, what happens is, is you're able to start like seeing it as it's happening. You're able to see the playground and know what's happening. When you're an experienced person, you know what conditions to set ahead of time to make sure that there's not going to be that injury. And that doesn't mean that's not going to happen, but you've, you've thought of everything to the point that, you know, if we follow this path, if I set the room up this way, if I'm watching these things, if I'm keeping these kids apart, I'm doing this stuff, we're going to prevent kids from getting hurt, or we're going to be able to take care of this person's needs before they even ask. Right? Like that's the difference is like, Going from just reacting, surviving, to, th- to thriving, to th- flourishing, because you set the right conditions to be successful. So that's I like I that. Saying. And as a consumer, I would probably much rather have somebody where I'm like, all right, you know, a- a agent person, I'd like you to take at least a half step backwards rather than feel like I'm on an assembly line. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, yeah. now I'm in, now we're looking at homes. Now we're, and it just, you know, it's, it just feels like there's no personal touch to it where, you know, I honestly, I would much rather have that where it's like, I, I want somebody to feel that is that engaged, that feels like they care. But even if they are a little bit too intense, that's okay. I would just rather be like, have to set that boundary myself than not have it at all. 
And it will never happen if you don't ask them what their hopes or their dreams are. If you don't sit down and have them tell you their purpose for being there, you're never going to get there. If you come in and treat them like, oh, well, I'm just, I'm this, this great agent that you're lucky to be on my ride with me, you know, like, right. that's not how it's going to work. Now, I've been to restaurants where it's like you're at the mercy of the chef, and that's kind of fun, too. But <laughs> there's really good sushi places in San Francisco where it's like that, where you're like, just give me what you the best you got. And it's they, they always ends the up Japanese being great word for that. There's a Japanese word for that. Oh, um, no. I think it's it mean it's something the it's something like the chef's choice or something like that. But I can't. Yes, remember. It's, it's, I've used it once and I felt like super cool when I said it. Oh yeah, but I also felt like a total dork. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. like onyagi or something like that. Onyagi and I, and then they're like, oh okay, and the chef loved it. They got a chance right. to be the artist that they are. Yeah. Yeah, and it's always like 90% of it is great, and then there's one where it's like an octopus that's still moving. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's okay, like, okay no, this one. is what you're into right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, not that one, but everything it's else like was someone great. Asked me what, it's like someone asked me what my favorite band is. I'm like, eh, I don't know. That's going to be for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I can give you yeah. some good music. All right. Thank you, Jason, for being here and being on the All Things Home podcast. We hope all of you listening enjoyed it, uh, and we'll see you on the next one.